Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're back with Andrew Schlafly, uh, lawyer and, uh, and very intelligent person able to discuss the Constitution and the legal aspects uh, are involved in some of our problems today. Um, so one of the problems that I see is when institutions can take away your ability to earn a living because of what you say in your private life. How do we deal with things like that? What's your take as a lawyer? So there was a famous case around 1900 in the Supreme Court of Massachusetts, where Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., that eminent jurist who, to digress and talk about him a little bit, he fought in the Civil War, very idealistic as a youth. But then he got on the bench and first in Massachusetts and ultimately on the Supreme Court. And he became a utilitarian who bought into the whole eugenics thing and and theory of evolution, really became a survival of the fittest type of person who started to think it was okay to to sterilize women if they might have low IQ children and and so on. And, And he had a terrible statement of one of his opinions where three generations of imbeciles is enough, Oliver Wendell Holmes said, as a Supreme Court justice in a Supreme Court opinion. Just terrible. But earlier in his career, uh, he was not as bad, but still kind of bad, where he upheld the firing of a policeman up there in Massachusetts. And he held that because the policeman was fired because of something he said, something he was doing outside of his job. And Oliver Wendell Holmes ruled to the effect that, listen, you, you can do whatever you want, but you don't have a right to do it and be a policeman. And that was sort of the mentality there for much of our jurisprudence where you can say whatever you want, but you can't hold a job too. And it's wrong because we all need to have jobs. We all need to make money. And the right of free speech is not worth very much, Dr. Dan, if as soon as we say what we want to say, we're going to lose our job. So we need to have some protections against retaliation based on what we say outside of the job. Now, on the other side of that, though, is is sort of the employment at will doctrine where uh, many of us, many conservatives say employers should be able to hire and fire whoever they want. And if they've got an employee who's out there saying things that are contrary to 
the business or, or what the owners believe and stuff, the owners should have a right to fire that person. Uh, that's the flip side of that. So it's a tricky legal challenge. I think there's a there's a division here, Andy, that that we could that someone could look at. If you are working for a company and you are uh, saying things to the detriment of the company directly, I can understand that. Uh, but if you just say things on out loud or to other people or on the internet or whatever that have nothing to do with the company. What right do they have to censor that? None. Yeah, they should have no right to censor that. And what it is, is just a retaliation that is chilling the freedom of speech in our country. That's what it is. And often it's done by big companies. Um, take the NFL. The NFL is there censoring players left and right. And I, I'm waiting for a new NFL that says, okay, our first principle is we play football to entertain the fans. Players can say whatever they want off the field. We're not going to get into that. And we, we play football and that's our product. So we're not going to go policing what players say off the field. That's what I would like to see. But, and you would see that, Dr. Dan, if we had free market competition in our country, if it were like it was in the 1800s, you would see a new NFL come up that is more freedom-oriented, more free speech uh, protective, and so on. Now, I'm not saying they can say whatever they want on the field. I'm not saying they can go and, and you know make obscene gestures during playing the national anthem. No, the NFL has a right to police what's on the field, and they should. They should. But I'm talking about this censorship of, of employees in their own private lives. Um, they should be able to say that. Of course, where we really get into that, if someone makes a comment that's contrary to political correctness about homosexuality or, or abortion or something like that, that's where you really get that. And it, it has nothing to do with the company. It has nothing to do with the NFL. It has nothing to do with playing football. It has nothing to do with delivering packages or anything like that. And it's a political correctness that's being enforced against Americans. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Is that what your fight against the disinformation governance board is all about? It is, Dr. Dan, because they're doing this to doctors. And what they're doing now is specialty boards are retaliating against doctors for what doctors say on their own time on political issues. So to explain to your audience, specialty boards are about two dozen entities that provide board certification to doctors. And it's primarily based on multiple choice examinations. So when a young doctor goes through training and then picks a specialty and goes into a specialty, such as ophthalmology, uh, dermatology, obstetrics and gynecology, whatever. They go into that specialty. Then at some point, they'll be asked to take an exam to become board certified in that specialty. And when they pass that exam, 
then they get board certification. And for a lot of doctors, that lasted for a lifetime. Now they're trying to force doctors to maintain their certification with more exams. But regardless, it's, it's based on what they know. It's based on a multiple choice examination. That's all it is. Well, these specialty boards, to be politically correct and to push a certain agenda, they have now announced that they're going to revoke that board certification from physicians if they find out that the physician said something they don't like. Not if they fail an exam, not if they don't know something, not if there's a malpractice case, but if the physicians say something that a few people running these specialty boards or maybe someone in the Biden administration doesn't like, then they're going to revoke the board certification of these physicians. That has a devastating effect, Dr. Dan, on many doctors. That may cause them to lose their medical staff privileges at hospitals. That may cause them to get kicked out of insurance networks. That means their patients may not be able to see them as a practical matter. So this is a dreadful new development that may be encouraged by the Biden administration. The Biden administration set up a new entity called the Disinformation Governance Board. That's what Biden and his people called it, Disinformation Governance Board. And the meaning of that is it's a board that is going to monitor what people say and then take some kind of action to try to control what people are saying. Now, immediately, there was a public outcry against it. And so the Biden administration paused it. They didn't disband it, didn't get rid of it, which means it's still there, which means it's not going away, it, which means this is the new normal. This is new. And it's right out of George Orwell's book, 1984, that many of us read when we were growing up. Just going to say the same thing. The, minist the Ministry of Justice, the Ministry of Information and whatever. Ministry of Truth. Ministry yeah. of Truth. And... Uh, George Orwell, that's another topic. Uh, we all benefit from dusting off our old books. If you can find it in the attic somewhere and find George Orwell's books. He was a, someone who was a socialist and was thought of as a socialist, wrote for socialist publications. And the older he got, the more conservative he got. So that was one of his last books, 1984. And that was after he had sort of left socialism and come over to the conservative side. And part of that, Dr. Dan, which your viewers, your listeners may not know, is uh, George Orwell adopted uh, an infant. And soon after he adopted that with his lovely wife, his wife unexpectedly passed away. And that left George Orwell with the task of raising that infant by himself. That's an experience that can make someone a conservative when you raise a child. <laughs> it makes you crazy, too. <laughs> and you can, he's still alive, by the way. That child is still alive. He gives interviews and so on. And he, uh, he looks at it with a, a good sense of humor. And he said it was, um, yeah, dad wasn't uh, always that attentive. Uh, he was working on his books, you know, but uh, no regrets. You know, he, he loved his dad and appreciated the time his dad was able to give him while writing those books. <laughs> 1984 is, is a novel that many people now point to as being the prediction of what we're going through right now. And I think that's I mean, if you look at 1984, it was written in the, in the 40s, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. every, yep. And that's 80 years ago. And yet, what he was really understanding of is the nature of humanity. Wouldn't you say so? Yes, I would. 
and the tendency towards totalitarianism if you don't push back and if you don't keep it in check. And if uh, for your audience who, who maybe does not feel you can get through 1984, it's not that long of a book, but there's a shorter version called Animal Farm. And you can get through that as a short story. You know, it's funny, Andy, that that really the, the changing the rules is really what we're going through now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really, it's very frightening to me because that's not supposed to happen. Uh, how do we handle stuff like that? What, what do common people, you know, I see, I see many, many people in, in my practice and they all say the same thing. What can I do? I mean, this is beyond me as an individual uh, to remedy. Um, I don't believe that. Um, but what is your suggestion about that, Andy? Yeah, there's something each of us can do, Dr. Dan, and it's, it's different for us. But I, I believe that God gives us all the same opportunities every day, really, to make that difference in our own way. And for a physician, a physician sees many patients, typically, depending on the specialty, and has an enormous impact on each of those patients. Uh, in some ways, it's been said that a physician is one of the biggest political influencers in our country in terms of different professions, because physicians can see so many patients and the patients are so trusting of what the physician says, patients will listen to the physician. And so the physician can tell the patient about what's going on. And we, I tell you a funny story here at APS, we hear from physicians every day about what's going on out there. And there was one physician who was really quite candid with his patients when they introduced this vaccine initially. And patients would say, what do you think of this? And he said, uh, a little tongue in cheek, but um, he, he uh, said, this vaccine, this is how your government is trying to kill you. <laughs> At that point, blank to a patient. <laughs> and uh, he got reported to the medical board over that. And he, uh, but he's courageous. And that's another thing to all you physicians out there, realize being reported to the medical board, that's, that can happen to anybody, anytime, anytime. Uh, somebody can complain to a physician, to a medical board. It doesn't mean anything. Most of those complaints are dismissed. Almost all of them are dismissed and should be dismissed. Uh, it should not be something to be scared of. So I would say to the physicians out there, be courageous and realize um, we all need you. There's a shortage of physicians. And while people will, will try to intimidate you and try to scare you, realize there's no substitute for you. There's no substitute for physicians, Dr. Dan. I mean, we need physicians and uh, we need physicians have the power to prescribe pain relief, have the power to do operations, have the power to uh, the experience they have. And it's really the finest profession we have. And so physicians have that opportunity. As to other people, everyone interacts with people every day. You've got the power to get the message out. Uh, I do have a, a deep faith that I've always had, Dr. Dan, and I, I'm trying to explain why I have that. But our country is getting more conservative. And I tell that to people and they just shrug their shoulders and say, I don't see it. But if you look across the board at all the issues and you add them all up, you see that we are getting more conservative. We are getting more freedom. And it's because of our constitution, 
I think, and maybe a special love that God has for our nation. But Dr. Dan, I mean, 10 years ago, did you think we'd be sitting here speaking to each other and Roe v. Wade would have been overturned? I, I think, I mean, that is certainly one of, to me as, as a Christian, that that um, it was one of the shining lights of the last couple months to see that. And you know what I like most about it is that the decision was not made based upon medical science or anything, it was made based upon what the Constitution says the powers of the federal government are and what they are not. And, and that is, you know, I often, uh, as a physician, I, I, I have no problem discussing medical issues. I'm very well trained. Uh, and what I say, when it comes to the issue of abortion, uh, and I read Roe v. Wade, I read Roe v. Wade because I wanted to see what were they, what were they thinking when they made that decision? Almost the entire decision on both sides was when does life begin? And they were talking about some 19th century concept from Great Britain called quickening, uh, which is what's what they were talking about. But we now know that that's not the case. Your DNA is unique. That's what makes you, you, unless you have an identical twin, no one else on earth shares your DNA. That DNA is created when the sperm and the egg get together. In other words, the moment of conception. So a unique DNA is created at the moment of conception. That to me is scientific evidence that life does begin at conception. Now, we can talk about the moral issues of when does life need to be protected? Who can take life? Who cannot take life? When can life be taken? And things of that nature. Those are moral issues. But there is no argument with the fact that when the egg and the sperm get together, that is life, no matter what shape it is in. It is life because it is unique DNA. Very well stated. And there is apparently a flash of light that occurs at that moment. That's come out recently. <laughs> Miraculously, I don't know anyone knows where that's coming from, but there's a flash of light. It's coming from God, I guess. But in terms of where our country is headed, if you go back nearly 50 years when Roe v. Wade was decided, that was a seven to two decision in support of abortion, basically on demand, because there was another decision that said, you can pretty much have it whenever you want. They talk about trimester system, but the, the Doe v. Bolton decision said, you can basically have it whenever you want. So seven to two, the Supreme Court saying people can have abortion whenever they want, all nine months, whatever. President Nixon, Republican in the White House, he just shrugged his shoulders. He said, I'm fine with that. You know, no pushback there. Uh, next Republican president, Gerald Ford, no problem with that. His wife, very much pro-choice or pro-abortion, whatever term you want to use. We get the Bushes as presidents. Their wives were, were pretty much supportive of abortion rights and so on. And, um, and here we are now, um, six to three against that decision. All Republican leaders are against abortion. I mean, just complete it's all all good now, basically. And it, that was in less than 50 years on that issue, which is probably the biggest issue to the left, really. I mean, that is really their, their holy grail. And we turn that thing around in 50 years, uh, wish it happened sooner. But still, it just shows you the overall trend of the country 
Dr. Dan, is in the positive direction. I know we got crazy stuff going on and our work is far from over. But if you ask me where we're going to be another 50 years from now, I'll say, Dr. Dan, we'll be in an even better place. I really think so. Andy Schlafly, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you. We have touched on many, many important subjects. And your wisdom and your your insight is something that I know my listeners are going to absolutely love listening to. And so thank you for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, Dr. Dan. It was a real honor and pleasure. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything gonna be 